coming up on Modern Veterinary Practice. So this is, this is where the challenge and the opportunity comes in. You have this large population of highly compliant pet owners describing our products and services as inaccessible. If we can solve for that, we're onto something big. Welcome to Modern Veterinary Practice. I'm your host and veterinary IT expert, Jack Peplow. On this show, I interview veterinary professionals and thought leaders from across the industry. Together, we examine the different areas of a modern veterinary practice, helping you to tackle the necessary steps in transforming your practice into a modern veterinary practice. This practical advice will help you to address the barriers that most practices face in increasing efficiency, creating a better working environment for your team, elevating your client experience, as well as driving profit into the business. So to start this episode off, I wanted to introduce you to my secret weapon that I know will definitely help increase efficiencies within your practice, as well as save you money. It's called AppSumo. Now AppSumo essentially finds and partners with the best up and coming tech companies to give you access to incredible and affordable software solutions and fantastic deals on products, saving you lots and lots of money. And I'm not exaggerating, some of these deals are just incredible. Now, some of the world's best-known brands have partnered with AppSumo at some point, including Evernote, a very well-known note-taking app, and MailChimp, the marketing platform which likely many of you will use to keep your clients up to date with helpful information, as well as products and services via email. Now, these are just some of the well-known brands that started off on AppSumo. Believe it or not, we've recently had ReadyPing, our contactless client check-in system, accepted for their marketplace. We've actually used the AppSumo marketplace for our own business to source chat facilities for our website, an email marketing tool to keep in touch with our prospects, an online booking tool which makes it easier for clients to book meeting with us. The list could literally go on. The fact is these tools alone would have cost us hundreds of pounds per month if we'd gone direct. Instead, we've paid a low one-off fee. So if you're looking for ingenious tech to help smooth out inefficiencies in your practice or want an easy-to-use email marketing platform, perhaps a community plugin board for your website, check out appsumo.com. That's www.appsumo.com. The Interview Hi, I'm Tom. I'm the co-founder and CEO of PetsApp. I'm a vet by training and I've run veterinary clinic groups both here in the UK and out in Asia. Cool. Tom, really great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. Um, I'm sure you must be getting bored now uh, with the double act between me and you, uh, especially when the, the topic of technology comes up. So I, I'm sorry, it's a yet Not another one. <laughs> Always a pleasure. <laughs> so I thought we could start on the topic of um, pet owner demographics and how the client experience is evolving uh, with veterinary practices. So um, we obviously have the ever-expanding group of digital natives, uh, the millennials and Gen Z uh, pet owner demographic. How, in your opinion, is this going to uh, impact veterinary practices moving forwards? It's a real challenge and also a massive opportunity. You have now the largest pet owning demographic being millennials. And the majority of millennials describe uh, veterinary products and services as relatively inaccessible. This is in contrast with baby boomers, the majority of whom describe veterinary products and services as accessible. And this is, this is pre-pandemic data. So there's also evidence that millennials are among the most compliant pet owners in terms of um, the extent to which they comply with veterinary recommendations. A good example here is dentistry. They're more likely to agree uh, with routine dental uh, interventions, preventive dentistry for their pets. And I think this is partly because they're the first generation to grow up with uh, pets as siblings. Their parents were really the first to treat uh, pets as part of the family, and you know they're they're used to jockeying for prime position on on the sofa uh, with the family 
dog. So they really do love their pets and are invested in their pets. No. But the way veterinary clinics are run does not represent how they're used to uh, interacting with service providers. So this is, this is where the challenge and the opportunity comes in. You have this large population of highly compliant pet owners describing our products and services as inaccessible. If we can solve for that, we're onto something big. No, I completely agree. And it's, it's also very evident that um, millennials and Gen Z are very content hungry as well. Um, you know, they love to absorb information and they're really keen to understand and, and learn from, um, from veterinary professionals. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think um, one trend that has been flagged is a sort of scepticism around experts. Um, they don't want to be dictated to. They want to be proactively and actively involved in decision-making processes. And so they expect more of a concierge-type service. They don't expect it to be this sort of dictatorial relationship. That involves having more touch points in the decision-making process. So while they are more compliant, they are more likely to agree with that recommendations they need more touch points in the decision-making process to get there. No, that's cool. And I just want to pick up on one thing that you mentioned earlier with regards to pre-pandemic stats, um, you know, specifically around, obviously, you know, we're talking about millennials and, and uh, expect people's expectations with veterinary services. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting that the um, expectations have likely changed you know, this is data where there was this much uh, stronger uh, demographic div divide between millennials and Gen Z on, on the one hand. And, and let's bear in mind, there's differences there too. So for example, millennials really enjoy text chat. Uh, they really enjoy asynchronous interaction. They, they don't really like phone calls and they're not big fans even of uh, video calls. They like the convenience of text chat. Gen Z on the other hand, they um, there's this sort of pattern of behavior of just spontaneous video calling. They'll call each other on video at the drop of the hat. And of course, we're generalizing, but that's where the sort of video calling is becoming more normalized. And you can thank the likes of um, Snapchat for, for that behavior. And then I think over the course of the pandemic, really, it's made millennials out of all of us. So whereas before your sort of baby booming generation, and again, this is a generalization, whereas before they would have been used to going to a location to consume products and services, paying and then leaving. Um, I think the pandemic has made millennials out of all of us in the sense that they're much more uh, used to digital interactions. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So would you be able to sort of elaborate a little bit more around how a practice might adapt, for example, their client journey to provide a better service to their clients and alleviate, uh, you know, ultimately pressure from their team too? Yeah, I think that last point, alleviate pressure from, from their team is really important because when we talk about this, it can sound as if we're asking for more. We're asking clinics who are already stretched, people that are already giving their all to do more. It doesn't necessarily need to be that way. This can actually increase our impact while increasing the um, client experience, improving the client experience without requiring more of us and potentially requiring actually less from us. Um, and so one thing that I would like to see us just absolutely obliterate, absolutely move away from, is this very high pressure situation where we have a pet in for a health check, and it might be the only time we see them that year. 
And so we feel as vets, as vet nurses and, and veterinary receptionists, we feel under great pressure to advocate for everything that pet might need for the next 12 months. And guess what? It's not terribly successful. Um, you know, we, we don't have high levels of compliance with uh, parasiticide recommendations. We don't have high levels of compliance with our uh, dental advocacy. And it's because it's a lot for the owner to take in. Often they've come into that consultation with a concern of their own. It may or may not be the most pressing health issue their pet is facing, but it's the context that they've uh, arrived at the clinic with. And now you have to try and persuade them that actually this matters, this matters, this matters. And they're thinking, yeah, but what about the issue that I I came in here with? Um, And so if instead we can create several lower pressure touch points throughout the year, if we can break up those advocacy opportunities throughout the year, I think we'll we'll do much better for pets. We'll do much better for pet owners. And it will take a lot of pressure off the teams. And I think the way you do that is by bringing the pet owners into your digital ecosystem. So you have this opportunity for these joined up online to offline experiences. No, that's perfect. And um, just sort of picking up on the the asynchronous side and and with regards to sort of information overload, because I can very much relate to that. Um, You know, I actually read a really great article from Bayer the other day, uh, and it stated that 20% of people um, go online almost immediately after a veterinary visit. Um, As I said, I I am shamefully one of those 20%. And it's only because in some ways there is an element of information overload during the visit. Um, but this moves us nicely onto the topic of communication types. Now, veterinary practices have very much been used to, I suppose, more synchronous-based communication with clients. However, with the recent pandemic, practices are obviously reviewing their client journey, and with some, it has involved the introduction of asynchronous communication. Where in the process are you seeing this used, and what is the benefit of using it over synchronous communication? So asynchronous communication has the benefit that you can fit it in when it suits you, And it also has the benefit that you have an opportunity. Um, We use something called an automated welcome message that kicks off every asynchronous interaction, every chat interaction. And that automated welcome message allows you to set expectations. A phone call doesn't do a very good job of setting expectations. In fact, when I was running vetting clinics, I trained my teams that we had three rings to answer the telephone. We had to treat every telephone call as if it was an emergency until proven otherwise. It, we were dealing with so much uncertainty. It was almost as, as if Schrodinger was ringing about his cat every time. You know, we, we have to drop whatever we're doing. We pick up the phone and we find out it's just Mr. Smith asking about our opening hours, <laughs> you know. And that's important. It's important Mr. Smith knows uh, when we're available uh, for him and his pet. But it's not worth dropping everything else. With an asynchronous um, text chat, you can prioritize at a glance. You can see, okay, they're just asking for a refill of the prescription diet. That can wait an hour, if not more. So actually, if I was just about to grab my lunch, I can go and have my lunch and come back to this and respond later. And that might sound um, frivolous, um, but getting your lunch is incredibly important. We know there's very strong evidence that shows hunger negatively impacts decision making. And our job is to make decisions on behalf of pet owners and their uh, and their pets all of the time. So 
if you have a system where that puts you in better control of your own workflows, you can improve the experience of your team and improve outcomes for pet owners and for your patients. No, that's perfect. And I suppose that is the key of automation, isn't it? In a way, in that sense, it, it gives you a lot of power. And it, it ultimately, like you say, it does set expectations for that pet owner so they can at least be a little bit more relieved rather than getting frustrated on the phone, waiting to get through to someone and, and, and to be held for a very long period of time. Um, you know, it's, it's a much better way of working. Um, so, I mean, the other the other area that I think uh, has to be considered is the fact that, you know, not all pet owners are um, very keen to embrace technology. Um, and, you know, it's great to see that, you know, a number of veterinary practices are looking to adopt these new ways of working and, and, and evolving their veterinary practice. But what about the people that really are not keen to embrace technology? How can a veterinary practice handle that sort of situation? I think it's about meeting people where they are. And so you do sometimes see a client coming through on the text chat and the clinic saying, oh, give us a call. It's like, no, no, no. They came on to text chat because they want you to chat with them asynchronously. Mm -hmm. But it's the same for these uh, people that maybe they don't want to uh, download an app. They don't want to chat with you. They do just want a phone call. Well, by taking the pressure off the phones and bringing as much of the client base as you can onto the asynchronous manner of interacting, which it puts less pressure on your team, it means that sort of 40, 30% that want to interact in a more traditional way, well, that channel is freer for them to use it. So it's there for the people that want it. And I think going back to something we were talking about, we just touched on, Jack, I think we have to remember how unfamiliar the um the pet owner veterinary care journey is to them. If they are coming in to see us just once a year, um, they don't know what what to expect. And we get to set those expectations. So I think sometimes we can assume uh, things about pet owners, about how they want to interact, how they're used to interacting, um, without the evidence to, to back that up. And I think there are many more people willing to engage with this stuff and willing for you to set the expectations of what an interaction looks like than you would than you would necessarily imagine. I, I always think about um, when we first launched PetsApp as exclusively a video consulting platform, which was a mistake. Mm. When we first launched it, we saw people requesting a video call with a vet and then hanging up before it connected. And we interviewed these users and we said, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> what You paid for a video call. Why have you hung up? And they said, look, I didn't realize it was going to be put straight through to a vet. And, you know, yeah, that's the magic of it. Why is that a problem? They were not sure that their issue justified bothering a vet. And I, it mimics something that I see in clinic. When I was operating veterinary clinics, you saw that pet owners would often be in a consult with a vet. The vet would say, anything, you know, anything else you need help with today, anything else I, I can help you address with Fluffy. And the owner would say, oh, no, all good, doc. Then they'd go through to reception and they'd ask the receptionist, <laughs> everything that they should have just asked the vet. But at which point the vet is in um, a consultation with another pet owner and doesn't have the opportunity to address those issues for that pet. And I think uh, you mentioned Googling. That's just the same, uh, a reflection of the same sort of behaviors where owners are trying to protect you from their ignorance, but they're showing this willingness, this desire to engage in the health of their pet. And, and they'll choose lots of different channels to do that. And I think we just have to, bring down some of these barriers. Technology is one way to do that. It's not the only way to do that. 
Um, but ultimately, what we want to do is take this very high trust touch point that we have. In general, believe it or not, pet owners absolutely love vets and their veterinary team. Take this very high trust point that we have and layer on convenience. If we can layer convenience on top of trust, there's not a force in the world that can disrupt uh, your local veterinary business, your local veterinary clinic. That's perfect. No, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Now, obviously, um, you do have a fantastic app, Pets App, uh, that many, many veterinary practices are already using, uh, which actually assists practices in uh, a number of the elements that we talked about today. Can you tell us what it is and where they can find it? So Pets App is a client communications, a client uh, engagement application for use by veterinary clinics with pet owners and they can do text chat, take digital payments, do video consults, send push notification campaigns. You can find out more at petsapp.com. We'd love to give you a demonstration of what we've built. Amazing. Thank you very much, Tom. Recommended reading. Every week we ask a veterinary professional to suggest a book that might resonate to our listeners. And this week's recommendation is from Paul Green, a veterinary marketing guru who also happens to be the next guest on our show. There are so many books that I could pick for this. Um, the single most influential book uh, has probably got to be Influence by Robert Cialdini. It's a 30, maybe even 35-year-old book, and it's about psychology and marketing. It doesn't sound like the most riveting read, but it explains why people act the way they do. And I have studied that book, and I must have read it 20 times. I've studied it. I've, I've put it into everything I do. And, you know, things like social proof. I mean, Robert Cialdini was the first person to coin the, the, the phrase social proof, which is testimonials, reviews, case studies. You know, even the most cynical person is influenced by social proof because it is a psychological driver right at the core of our, our, our own basic programming in our brain. We cannot escape social proof. Scarcity. If there is not much of something left, it forces us to make a decision whether or not we want it. We've all seen the, the last cake on the plate and thought, I want, I, I want that. And I think Robert Cialdini is, a, is an absolute genius. He's a, a professor of psychology based in New York who focuses on marketing. And he's a genius at helping us, ordinary business owners like us, to understand how to influence our customers. That's Paul Green, a veterinary marketing guru. He's going to be here next week talking about the power of an inbound marketing strategy and why you need to adopt it for your practice and how your clients and bottom line will soon benefit. We, we are you know, in, a, in a, a wonderful state of technology where you are held back by your imagination rather than by what you can do. And you know, that, that's only really happened in the last 10 years. But you, you think of anything you want to do, you know, in terms of tracking people, in terms of reaching people, in terms of communicating with clients, in terms of sending out personalized messages, all of these things can be done relatively easy. And there's, there's stable, good software out there that can do it. That's it for this episode. All links and recommendations we talked about are in the show notes. If you have a great idea or question you'd like covered as part of the podcast or want to get involved, make sure to get in touch with me on jack at veterinaryit.services. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast if you found it useful. In the meantime, thanks for listening and see you next time.